Welcome to the Travel Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. I've gone from career burnout to taking multiple career breaks, scoring several remote jobs, and even starting my own business while traveling to over 80 countries. The one thing that held me back from starting sooner was that I didn't believe it was possible for me. I wasn't aware that travel could become part of my lifestyle. Through this podcast, I'm so excited to share with you the travel possibilities that are out there for you. In season two, we're talking all about remote work. Let's get started. Welcome back to the season two of the Travel Possibilities podcast, where we're talking all about work. I'm your host, Callie O'Connor. And my guest today is Rocky Trafari, and he has the travel blog, The Rocky Safari. It rhymes. We love that. And Rocky's a travel blogger and digital marketing professional who's operating a monetized travel blog, and he aims to empower introverted travelers with essential information that will help smooth the transition into experiencing solo travel as a long-term lifestyle. And so we talk all about Rocky's trip, where he traveled long-term, working along the way, and his main streams of income during that time, which was teaching English online as well as the blog. And so he's a very aware, very intentional in his travels and gives some awesome advice. So here's the episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Travel Possibilities podcast. I am so excited to welcome my guest today, Rocky Trafari. And I'm going to let him introduce himself to you guys. So Rocky, thanks for being here. Why don't you tell us about yourself and what you do? Hi, Callie. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me today. Yeah, my name is Rocky Trafari, and I am a travel blogger slash digital marketer who runs a travel blog uh, known as the Rocky Safari, like rhyming with my name. Uh, where my goal is basically to help inspire more introverted travelers to experience long-term travel as a lifestyle. So I teach, you know, a different, a few different strategies and techniques that help travelers, you know, get started. And a few of my focus areas include, you know, finding remote jobs, monetizing uh, profitable blogs, and also learning how to make travel more affordable. Love it. And now that's reminding me how we met in Clubhouse in our, the solo travel as an introvert room, I believe. So yeah, I think it was actually. Well, coming back. Awesome. So Rocky, can you take us back to when you first started thinking about traveling solo? Where, like, what stage in your life was this? What was going on in your head? How did this all come about for you? Definitely. So I think that my interest in travel was always there, but I started to notice it more in high school. I I was studying Chinese at the time, and I remember that there was the World's Fair being hosted in Shanghai, China. And online, I was researching it because you know, I was studying Chinese. I wanted to go to China. That was something that had always appealed to me. But being a high schooler, travel seemed pretty unattainable at the time, at least on like such an international scale. And so the way that I kind of got around that was I started researching the expo online and I started stumbling upon other people's travel blogs where they were posting about the World Fair. And I sort of experienced it through those blogs, which I think actually looking back is probably even why 
I, you know, nowadays I'm so passionate about blogging because I just see how it can really, you know, shine light on these kinds of things and inspire other people to help them kind of get started and figure out what, you know, what their interests are and how they can pursue them too. And so, yeah, I was researching the fair, trying to, you know, I started dreaming of being able to go to places like that all on my own. And then, you know, after high school, I went to college where I got my bachelor's degree. And all throughout that time, I still had this idea that I wanted to travel on my own experience, you know, solo travel, backpacking, all the stuff that you see on so many different travel blogs. And again, you know, I was so like engrossed in my studies that it just was kind of like something I wanted to do, but didn't know exactly how to go about doing it. And then right around the time I graduated, which was 2017, I, you know, started working after graduation, got like a, you know, not, not necessarily a traditional job, but something sort of along those lines. And I was just starting to, you know, make money for the first time and figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. And I think I started to just feel a little bit stuck because I knew that I wanted to go overseas and I had this image in my head of what I wanted to do, what I wanted my life to look like. And I was looking at the path that I was starting to take and seeing this like this discrepancy um, and trying to figure out what I could change and do differently to actually get what I wanted. And so I started to make some different changes and I made a pretty firm decision that I was going to experience backpacking. And at least I wanted to try it. So the plan was basically go overseas and travel as long as I could. I went into it prepared to basically spend a year. That was actually the target to spend one year overseas without coming home in between. And at that point, once that decision was made, it was just a matter of preparing for the trip, getting the things I needed to get, doing all of the work that goes into setting yourself up for something like that. And then uh, and then it was just a matter of doing it. So that was kind of how it how it happened. Okay, this is really good. And I just want to touch on a couple of things that you mentioned. So first of all, I think you had a lot of insight and awareness for someone who just graduated from college to be like, this actually isn't what I want. And I need to make changes in order to get what I want. So that's really cool and important. And the other thing is, you just decided. And I talk about this all the time in my courses, like the first step towards a different lifestyle is making the decision because other up until then, it's just sort of wishy-washy, like I want to do this, but you don't really mean it. So there's power in making that decision. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did. Absolutely. Yeah. One of the things that I think, I guess it has something to do maybe with being an introvert. I don't know if everyone is like that, but um, I've always been very self-reflective, um, more self-aware, I guess, and very intentional with my actions. And basically, you know, it, it comes with its pros and cons. I tend to really overthink quite a bit as well. Uh, and that, you know, in its own way can be kind of like a downfall. But the good part of it is that because I'm always in my head, always living things, picturing different situations, I tend to really be pretty uh, intentional about the things I do and strategic at the same time. So even after graduation, I knew that, you know, the first few 
the first few years after graduating, I feel like they're so instrumental into setting you up for what, you know, the coming years will look like. And even though, you know, long-term travel, I didn't know that I wanted it to be a permanent thing. I did feel like it was very high up there as a priority because it's true. Like, you know, the older people get, the more that you sort of fall into some sort of routine and commitments tend to grow and not saying that, you know, you can do this, this type of thing. Absolutely. Anytime. It's just a matter of deciding. But my personal decision was that I knew I wanted to do it pretty much as soon as possible. So I needed to be really, really, yeah, really intentional about how I was going to plan to be able to financially and, uh, you know, <laughs> like just be able to do something like that. Uh, and, I think that if I didn't make that choice, I could have just ended up, you know, coming up with like excuses or just different reasons to sort of put this off and tell myself it's not the right time. You know, if only I had this, if only I had that, like, I just wanted to say, you know, this is something I want to do. And I believe that this is the time for me to do it. So what do I need to do now so that I can actually make this happen? Awesome. I love that so much. And so from the time you made the decision, how long was it before you ended up leaving and going on this trip? Great question. I think that I started to consider it more seriously in November of 2017. So you figure I graduated in May. I was working for a few months. This is kind of like going through my head. I'm seeing you know months going by where i'm working and feeling certain kind of way and yeah i definitely think it was like november december i was like okay i need to actually start planning for this and making it a priority and then i want to say that march of 2018 things really started to to come together as i was telling my family that i'd be doing this meeting with my friends explaining like i felt the need to just kind of like let them know what was happening because it is a pretty big thing if all of a sudden you know you're you quote unquote disappear for a year and everyone's like wait where where is rocky what's happening so i just started to tell people because through explaining it to others i feel like i was even processing it myself that this is you know my my decision this is what i'm doing and everyone was very supportive everyone understood they were happy the reaction response was great which i'm so thankful for and uh yeah by i want to say by july of that that year i actually had booked my one-way ticket to greece which was where i started my trip and that was that i was on the plane <laughs> off to europe that's so awesome and so can you talk us through a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff that was happening like around the time that you were telling your friends and family and what were you doing to get ready for this trip? Oh man, what wasn't I doing? <laughs> I remember I needed to start making lists. I was writing out everything from what do I need to pack? What type of backpack will be comfortable and fit everything that I need? What airline do I want to take? What kind of accommodations will I be planning for? Am I going to book them ahead of time once I'm there? I had actually a lot of medical appointments because I wanted to see travel-specific medical doctors to make sure that I had the proper immunizations and vaccines and anything I might need on that end. Because again, um, you know, in this particular backpacking trip, I very heavily 
um, favored like traveling within Europe, but that was not even really planned or that part really wasn't even like intentional so much. It just kind of happened that way. But because I didn't know where I would go, I actually did take the approach of sort of kind of preparing for anything. So I had even had like a few vaccines and stuff for travel to places that I didn't go. So I guess you could say I didn't need them. But anyway, I don't regret it because it gave me the comfort of once I was on the road, I didn't have to say like, oh, well, you know, I can't go here because I don't have whatever, like the yellow fever vaccine or whatever you want to say. But um, I had that that flexibility. So definitely there was a lot of of planning that went into it up front. That's great. And how did those conversations go with the doctors? You're like, I don't know where I'm going. Can you just vaccinate me? For yeah. Anything? <laughs> Actually, it was pretty funny because I didn't think that it was so uncommon for someone to take a trip like that. I had seen documentaries and movies online where people had done, you know, year long backpacking trips. I knew I wasn't the first person to do something like this. So I think that when I went to see my travel MD, who, you know, specializes in that kind of thing, that the reaction would have been like a little bit, I don't know, not, he wasn't like so shocked, but when I couldn't even pinpoint where I was going, it made me feel like a few different kind of ways. Cause I was like thinking um, he either thinks that I'm super just impulsive and like crazy. Cause I don't know where I'm going or it's really just not a very common thing. And, you know, maybe you, maybe he, they don't see it as often as I would think that they would. Uh, Cause he was pretty baffled when I couldn't really even give any specifics. Cause he's like, can you give me your region? I was like, honestly, I can't, I don't know if it's Europe, South America, Africa, Asia. Like I did not know at that point. Um, but with that being said, he did a wonderful job kind of creating this like very holistic plan where he printed, it was wonderful. He printed out worksheets for me that had maps of different parts of the world. And he was explaining what I was most likely to encounter. I even remember he gave me prescriptions for things that were very optional. So uh, for example, there were like anti-malarial pills. And he said, you know, if you go to say certain parts of Africa, like, you know, maybe just as a precaution, fill this script at your pharmacy, take them with you. And you only would need to take them if you should end up going to these places. So it's kind of like an as needed type type prescription. Um, so there was really wonderful advice. I even remember he gave me uh, just like general advice. He mentioned maybe packing things with, uh, I don't want to mispronounce it, but I think it's like called permethrin, which was something that would repel mosquitoes. So it was just really interesting things that I didn't even know about, but I realized that there was definitely value in seeing a professional like that prior to going because I felt so much more prepared going into it. That's awesome. And it is kind of funny because I think when you get so into the research phase and then you read so many blogs and you surround yourself with so many people who travel like we do, then it feels normal. And then you kind of forget that there are people in the outside world who are sort of in those, I'm doing air quotes, normal yeah. lifestyles <laughs> with the normal jobs. And they mm -hmm. think we're nuts sometimes. Yeah. Thinking about it, the truth is I really can't think of many people from my, you know, my circles, real life friends and stuff who 
who've done something like that. So it's it's definitely a little bit off the beaten path, certainly not something traditional. Uh, but that is why online communities, fellow bloggers, Clubhouse <laughs> are, are wonderful, you know, resources and platforms because you get to meet people who have a similar, you know, similar goal and, and, and appreciate similar types of experiences. So that's been really wonderful. And I'm really happy that I've found those those channels of meeting people. Totally. So you had mentioned to me about having student loan debt prior to like, after graduating and prior to travel. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know some people that's a deterrent who they want to travel, but they're like, I can't, I have debt. Yeah, definitely. So um, I did briefly work for a company that focused on like retirement planning. It was like a, a financial uh, institution. So I had a little bit of that background with like understanding, you know, how money works, that type of mentality, planning accordingly. And uh, in addition, also just from talking to my friends, I had known stories of people who graduated from college with so much debt, like, you know, all, all different types of stories, but it wasn't unusual to hear someone say that, you know, they had like $100,000 of debt or whatever. Um, you know, I was lucky. I, I didn't have that much. I had like maybe a fifth of that. Um, but still, you know, debt is debt. And once you graduate, you only get a short window. And then after that, those payments are, you know, you, you need to start making them. And I have never been the type to, you know, really want to like delay that because I have seen stories where some travelers will, you know, either put their loans in, uh, I forget the term, like deferment forbearance, where basically you can delay it and not make payments until you return. That's always an option. So actually, you know, if as long as you're okay with the interest accruing, because I think that still happens with one of the two, uh, then you know you have that option. Uh, I didn't end up doing that actually. What I did was I just continued to still make my payments, and you know people sometimes find this really hard to believe, but for me, traveling uh, even in Europe, it was actually still less expensive than life in New Jersey, where I'm from. You know, New Jersey happens to be an especially expensive place to live, uh, even within the United States as a whole. So I have just, I actually found it easier <laughs> to make those payments while traveling. And I think that when people hear that, it's almost like, uh, you know, it's almost like mind blowing that traveling can be less expensive than living in one place. But that was the truth. So for me to just continue making payments, I was making enough money on the road. It wasn't a problem. It was actually a little bit easier. And uh, and so I just was very careful with my budget, frugal. I, I definitely didn't hold back. Like if there was an experience I wanted to have and I felt like I could reasonably afford it, I still did those things because I didn't want to sacrifice that part of the experience. But all the all the while, I was always making sure that at the end of the day, my bills were still being covered. I didn't want to go on this trip and come back with credit card debt or student loans that you know had defaulted, where I hadn't made payments and interest was going up. Like that was absolutely something that I would not have been okay with. I think if I started to even see that happening, that would have been the the switch where I was like, okay, I need to go home. And then I would have changed because that's just something that would bother me personally. Um, you know, I just take that type of responsibility very seriously. So for me, I was 
very specifically, I, I was specifically budgeting and planning to make sure that I was paying my student loans. The main, the payments were manageable and I was intentionally trying to make enough money so that I could pay those and also cover my ordinary living and travel expenses. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that experience. I think that will be really helpful for a lot of people. And so let's get into it. How did you make money when you were traveling? Well, before going, I was actually looking for remote jobs because I knew that uh, unlike some, so some travelers, you'll hear stories where people save up a lot of money before going. I've seen on various travel blogs where some people would save anywhere from twenty to $50,000. And then once they're on the road, they sort of use that, that, you know, that money to be able to sustain themselves. And I think that that's a very smart, comfortable and nice way to travel. And if you have that ability to work for some amount of time, make it, save it and then go, definitely you're, you'll enjoy it because you don't have to stress about working or making that money while you're on the road. It makes life a little bit easier. Um, my, my approach was I started applying for different remote jobs. I think I may have been on Facebook at the time when I saw an advertisement for a company where you could teach English online to students throughout China, and they would pay you for that. <laughs> and I looked at the requirements. Basically, I had all the requirements and teaching English was never something I had really considered. But when I looked at it, I thought to myself, you know, this is something that I believe I can do. I have the requirements. The compensation seems more than adequate to make enough money that I could do what I'm striving to do. And so I figured I would try and I applied to work for uh, said company. It was, I, I don't mind mentioning it if that's okay with yeah. you, Kelly. Okay. Yeah. It was a company called VIP Kid. And it's one of the more prominent ESL companies. At least it was. Things have changed a little bit recently just because of some regulations in China. Uh, but at the time, especially, it was extremely popular, one of the biggest, if not the biggest. And so I had applied for it, uh, excuse me, I had applied to work for them. And actually the first time that I went through the process, which was quite lengthy, I didn't get hired. And I was pretty devastated because I hadn't been having much luck with many of the remote jobs at the time. This is all pre-pandemic. So remote work was a little bit less normal than I think it is even now. So finding those opportunities was few and far in between. Uh, so yeah, when I didn't get it, I was pretty disappointed and down because I thought for sure that that was going to work out and I really was counting on it. And I looked kind of at the email where I got the rejection and thought to myself, like, I don't want to give up here. I feel like this there's just, I could see myself working for them. I felt like the community of teachers looked so nice. It was something I really genuinely wanted to be a part of. So I actually ended up emailing the, uh, I guess you could call like the recruiter or um, person who was, you know, doing my interviews. And I basically just poured my heart out and explained to him why it was so important to me that I was able to work for this company. And I really just asked if they would be willing to give me a second chance to try it again and see if maybe I just could redo like one of the stages of the interview where the, the part that I hadn't gotten through. And to my surprise, they actually said yes. 
And that really was such a game changer because obviously the second time around, they did accept me and I was able to work for them. And it was just the best feeling because I knew that at that point I could actually start to prepare for my trip because I started working for them pretty much immediately. I was seeing the money that I was making and how steady it was. And I knew at that point that this was something that I would be able to to use. And that became like my primary plan. And of course my blog also, I was starting to think about it and monetize and plan just because I don't like to put all my eggs in one basket, but that was basically how that, you know, unfolded and got started. Wow. That's a really good story. And persistence pays off and that's great that they gave you another chance. I love that. Yeah, I think that people sometimes hear no and, you know, take it as a no, I guess, because I did have that sales background. I know that no is sometimes just not right now. And, you know, it doesn't, it it never hurts to just try. I feel like if there's something that you want that badly, you know, what's, what's an extra email or a, a question if you're talking to a person, like, why not just ask, you know, the worst that they can say is no. And at that point you walk away and what's done is done and you move on with your life, but never hurts to try. Absolutely. That's great advice, like for anything. Mm -hmm. And so just as a quick aside with the teaching English online to students in China, in case anyone is interested in that, like I have taught for VIP kid as well. And what has happened is a law has passed in China where it is no longer legal for foreigners to teach Chinese children online outside of China. (laughs) Is that your understanding of the regulation as well? It is, yes. I I have like read through it and I've seen a lot of the updates. It seems things are are quite significantly different now. Mm -hmm. So I don't know truthfully if it is still a sustainable, you know, source of income for people. It might be more of a supplemental one. I think that they've kind of found some ways around it, but I, I don't know the details, so I don't really want to get into that, yeah. but but things are definitely a little bit different now. And I think some teachers who were doing that from things, bits and pieces of what I've seen, it looks like they've transitioned into similar roles, but maybe teaching and kids in other countries or something along those lines. Yes. I know they're working very hard to pivot and now they have a global platform and it mm-hmm. is still totally possible to apply to teach through them. Right. But yeah, it's not as regular as it once was, but there are mm-hmm. other platforms out there as well that focus on other regions of the world. So yep. it's still a yeah. viable option. Awesome. Yeah, it was great though. I really enjoyed working with those students and I did have very regular ones. So each week I knew if I opened up slots on my schedule, then sure, surely those students would, you know, always book the classes with me. And it was, it was a very nice thing. I made a lot of friends with, you know, through that and enjoyed working with, with my students. It was, it was very nice, That's very nice. rewarding too. Yeah. It like, it's just something that makes you feel good. Like you hang up the call and you're like, that was nice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the teachers were great too. Like I, I was pretty active in the Facebook communities because that was how a lot of VIP kid teachers would, you know, share ideas, bounce questions off of one another. 
And there was actually specifically digital nomad groups within VIP kids. So I would join those. And that was cool because then I even got to find people who were doing kind of like what I was aspiring to do. And they helped, you know, with figuring out some of that as well. So that community really, really was a wonderful thing. And I'm so grateful that I was able to be a part of it. That's awesome. And so you mentioned you also focused on monetizing your blog. So can you talk a little bit about that as well? Sure. Yeah. So like I had said earlier, blogging is really a big passion of mine. Truthfully, when I had first started, it really wasn't even about making money. I would have done it regardless just because I love writing. I love, um, I love like storytelling and having just a place to kind of put everything all together. It's like a journal, but one that you can open up and share with anyone who feels like taking a look through it. And so I got started, uh, actually my, I think it was my senior year of high school. So I was pretty young, but again, it wasn't, it wasn't started with the idea of like creating a, a business out of it. It really just was me expressing myself. It was just something that brought joy into my life and I wanted to do it. And so I, I had, and just by sticking with it over the years, it's just evolved and transformed into something so much bigger than what I actually ever expected out of it. Uh, and when I had started looking into traveling and travel blogging, I was learning so much, so many different avenues of things that you could do between affiliate income, guest posting and paid partnerships, sponsorships, and courses and sales of all like all these different possibilities that I had never really understood in the earlier stages. So I just became more familiar. I was doing a ton of research and over time, it's been a very gradual thing, but I started implementing things I was learning and by posting and increasing even just the amount of content and things that I've covered over the years, you know, naturally more and more people have found my blog and through it me and discovered my content and you know gotten in touch and it's just it's just been a wonderful thing i didn't even know in the early stages that you could make money blogging but now i realize that it's just a huge huge field with so much opportunity you know it's certainly not easy i think that anyone who tells you it's easy is quite frankly, probably misleading you because it's very, uh, it's it's time consuming and it takes a lot of hard work, focus, intention with what you're doing. You know, it, it basically, if your goal is to make money, it's basically like starting a small business um, and you need to be pretty strategic with what you're doing, why you're doing it and who you're targeting. And there's so much, so much planning that needs to go into it. Uh, I do wish in hindsight that I maybe could have had like a clear strategy from the beginning that probably would have made things easier versus how I just sort of figured it out as I was going along. But regardless, you know, I am where I am now and it's been wonderful. I've been able to even help other people starting their blogs, which for me is so rewarding because I know how big of a part of my life it is. So the chance to help other people find, you know, to learn and understand how to do this and, you know, be able to potentially even support themselves or just increase their income through a website. I think it's a pretty amazing thing. That's great. And of the revenue streams you mentioned through blogging, is there one that has been the most successful for you? I would say it was affiliate income. 
Although I'm starting to actually uh, venture out a little bit now because I have just been discussing certain things with a few, like, I guess you could call them mentors that I have. That I have. And uh, I think that I'm starting to explore other avenues in terms of like creating actual uh, products and services that I'll use my blog to promote. That's still a work in progress. I, I've been, you know, trying to like, that's actually a goal I have for this year to branch out more into that territory, uh, just because I'm seeing that there is a lot of potential with certain things within that for me to explore. So that's the that's the next step. That's my uh, my goal right now for 2022. So hopefully that will be happening pretty soon, actually. It's currently in the works. Um, but yeah, for somebody who's maybe in the earlier stages, just getting started, I think the better avenue is to, yeah, like know your niche, understand who your audience is so that you can find their, maybe like their pain point, something that they're looking for some answer solution to. And if you can find a unique stance on that and offer them some sort of a product, even if it's not your own, because at least that's how I started, I would just find things that I believed in, whether they were online, uh, online courses or actual products that I've used and found helpful or valuable in some way. Uh, and then being able to explain to others and make a very good pitch in case of why they need said item, uh, then that could be one very good avenue, um, you know, of being able to make some commissions that way. That's awesome. So cool. And then can you tell us more about what your schedule was like when you were traveling? Like what did a normal day look like for you in terms of teaching and blogging and exploring? Sure. The way that VIP kid worked in particular, there were certain hours of the day where students in China would be able to take their classes. Um, it, it basically worked out to like a certain amount of hours in the morning or at night for them. But then you have to then consider that because of the difference in time zones, depending on where you are in the world, their hours of when they can take their classes will change depending on where you are actually located. So I remember, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, I remember that in the United States, for example, it was always like, you know, it's basically a 12 hour difference. So it was like, either really early in the morning or like in the evening or at night, I, I would have to open up classes. And I remember always just feeling super tired. So I want to say that the hours were like not that great. But then when I went to Europe, it actually was really nice because the hours were in the late, like late morning, early afternoon. And I would just, I think I would only teach like maybe six to eight classes a day, which sounds probably like a lot, but each class was like 25 minutes. So it's only a few hours. It was nothing, nothing crazy. And it turned out to actually be a very nice lifestyle. I would wake up, I would have, you know, a calm, peaceful breakfast because I knew that I had time. I wasn't rushing to start at like 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. I think sometimes I would, but that wasn't, that wasn't my normal routine. And then I would teach. It was very, it was very comfortable. Like I, that was something I definitely think back and, and remember that the hours were very nice, especially from that part of the world. And then by, you know, a little bit in the afternoon, I was wrapping things up and I had the whole rest of the day to go out and explore. And I legitimately would do that. Like 
Very rarely would I just kind of like take a day to myself. I mean, it's important to do those because you can burn out, but I love being outdoors. That's just a place that, you know, I, I just love being outside and around people. If there are animals, I love that. Like it just, the serenity of it, it makes me so happy. Uh, and even in cities, I still feel that way. So yeah, I would go out and just sort of roam without any set uh, itinerary in mind and end up where I ended up. And it really was wonderful. I was so, felt so like at peace and just enjoyed like each day and took it, you know, how, like whatever, whatever it was, it was, I just was taking each day, day by day. And, uh, it was, it was very comfortable. I, I enjoyed it. That's for sure. That's great. And like, yeah, it just sounds so peaceful. And I love a flexible remote job that allows you the opportunity to do that. Like you are traveling. So mm -hmm. you want to have the time to be able to do the things that you want to do. Yeah. My schedule was pretty flexible, but within reason. So um, the best way to explain it is you could either open up your schedule a week out, maybe even two weeks out. I don't remember, but only because I wouldn't normally do it that way. I didn't like to have those commitments lo locked in because uh, with VIP Kid, when a parent books your class, basically it was like, it was a firm commitment at that point. And if you wanted to cancel it, I believe there was actually even a penalty as the as the teacher tutor to do that. And so I didn't want that to ever happen. And what I would do was open up classes under 24 hours, which were considered short notice bookings. And in addition to the benefit of them being uh, made, you know, within 24 hours, which for me was very good around like being able to plan and control my schedule, you also got paid more per class to do that. So I was making more money and it was wonderful because I would open up my schedule the night before, and then sure enough, the next morning I'd wake up, not even knowing which classes were booked with me, but they would always fill up. Like that was never a problem. I knew if I opened a slot, it was going to be booked. And so having that extra income because it was short notice and being able to also make that decision of like, well, what's my plan for tomorrow? What do I want to do? Do I, can I, can I start extra early? Do I need to go somewhere? Do I need to maybe not even open up books? Uh, sorry, open up uh, slots for bookings because maybe I'm going to be actually going to an airport tomorrow. Like that, that was the kind of thought process that I would have. And I would just, I had a very good sense of control over my schedule. And that was also a great reason why working for them was wonderful because I always knew that I could plan around, plan, plan work around my plans. Yeah. <laughs> basically. That's awesome. And make more money for doing it on short notice. Right. Yeah. Oh, that the way was... to go. Strategic. <laughs> Love it. Yes. It was great. So we talked about your trip to the travel doctor and you didn't know where you were going. So tell us about where you did end up going and how you made those decisions once you got to Greece. Yeah. Um, well, planning it, I was looking just to see where I could fly uh, least expensively, at least in the beginning. And that was how I picked Greece. And also, I have always had a curiosity to explore Athens because my my friends had gone. I've heard stories. Sounded like a nice place to vi visit. So when I saw that I could go to Athens, I was like, yeah, you know what? That's where I want to start my trip. It's somewhere where I do have an interest in learning more about it. It's not horribly expensive to fly there. So that's where I'll start. 
And really, that is pretty much how that decision was made. It was really just a little bit of the numbers and a little bit of me saying, where do I want to go? Okay, I'll go to Greece. Uh, and it was a wonderful choice. I actually think to this day, it could have even been my favorite part of the trip. I don't know if that's because I just loved Athens so much, or maybe it's like me thinking back fondly because of the fact that it is where I started. Um, but that was my first step. So I was in Athens and then I went uh, from Greece to Spain, from Spain to Poland, from Poland to Croatia, and then Croatia, I went to Bosnia and Herzegovina. And I was traveling very slowly. So <laughs> that's something I also like to kind of preface because I've, I do know some travelers will like go somewhere and then they can basically bang out like all of Europe and they do like one day or maybe a few hours in every single country and bounce around. My experience was totally different. I mean, I really never left a country if I didn't spend at least a month there. So it was like, I think very slow compared to what you would hear most people say. Like I was doing like months at a time in each place that I visited. So my list is not super long. I am okay with that. Like that was what I wanted to do because it would allow me to really understand the place and feel like I was actually living there. Um, and it worked because to be honest, each time I left, there definitely that was that feeling of sadness inside of like, you know, oh, I just finally started to understand this place and I was comfortable. I was walking around without using Google Maps to help me navigate. Like it does you know, it's crazy. In, a, in as little as a month, you really do start to identify with where you're living. And that, you know, that trip, the one that I'm talking about in particular, that was 2018. And, you know, here we are like, what, almost like a few, five years later, whatever it is. Um, and I still think back to those places where I spent like a month living and, and I miss them. Like it was, it was a wonderful experience just getting to see different ways of living and different cultures and each place was so different from the rest. So, um, so yeah, that was that was where I went for that trip. And then actually, I did end up uh, coming back to America in between, um, just for a brief span of time. It was like around the holidays, and uh, there were some things I just didn't want to miss because family is important to me. So I came back. I was not really willing to sacrifice that. And then just right after that, uh, when January rolled around, I went back to Europe again. And uh, and that time I actually primarily was in Spain. That's so great. And I mean, coming from someone who zipped around Europe, like I love the way you traveled and that's how I've learned to travel now because you really do get to have those more authentic and deep experiences. And I totally recommend it to anyone who has the time to take their time while traveling. It makes it a huge difference. It's, it's so important. And it's funny because in certain countries, I actually, you know, the, the vast majority of my travel experiences have been positive. But I just to be totally honest, there were a few places I had gone where in the very early stages, I didn't like it. And I was feeling kind of isolated and, and alone and not really happy. And I think that if I was traveling quickly, it would have been such a shame because that would have been my impression. And then I would have left. And the I just think back on it and it's like, you know, because I was there, um, I could have just gotten up and moved on. But I just, I guess I was willing to sort of wait it out, give it a chance, see if things changed. And, and truthfully, they actually did. I ended up, you know, 
this one city that I'm thinking of in particular, I ended up realizing that I did like it. And it just was so different from a few of the places I had gone before that I needed to sort of adjust, adapt, and understand it a little better. But by the end of it, I, I did actually enjoy being there. So my perspective absolutely did change. And I think that that's, that's true probably for a lot of people of many places that if you just give it enough time, you'll actually start to see things that maybe you overlooked in the beginning. Totally. And that takes time. So that's a great lesson and just, yeah, something to consider for anyone traveling. And so what kinds of accommodations did you stay in while you're traveling? It was a little bit of a mix. I did everything from Airbnbs, hostels, hotels, uh, even staying with like people who lived in those places at certain times when it when it worked out and it it was okay to do so. Um, the the vast majority, I tried to favor Airbnbs when I could. Um, and that was for a few different reasons. Um, you know, the the primary one I would definitely say was because I did know that I needed to be able to work and financially support myself. So having the privacy and the quiet and the reliable Wi-Fi to be able to do VIP kit, for example, that was best suited for Airbnb. And you might be thinking, well, yeah, you could do the same thing in a hotel. And you know, that's absolutely true. I do know travelers who primarily stay in hotels, they make it work. There's great uh like loyalty programs that have a lot of incentives and rewards. So it's whatever works best for you. I like Airbnbs um, because A, sometimes you get a discount if you do a longer term stay. So sometimes I would do that specifically just for that discount. Uh, and it could be a very significant discount depending on which uh, which booking, like, sorry, which home you're looking at. And then also it does give you a little bit of that cultural feel because some of these Airbnbs are actually like you know, people's homes or apartments. And so staying in them instead of a more uniform experience, you actually get to see kind of like how these people live and how their homes might look and be set up. So for me, that was actually even part of the experience to be in like a more, uh, like in what I was perceiving to be like a more authentic environment and, uh, and truly like, yeah, it just helped me to understand the places where I was living. Cool. Yeah. And so do you have any advice for someone who wants to make travel a bigger part of their lives, but they just don't believe it's possible for them? I think whatever that, whatever you think is holding you back, um, try to not let it, you know, traveling can be as affordable, as attainable as you want it to be, as long as you're being, as long as you're willing to be flexible, adaptable, and patient. Um, if you're new to this whole thing, my suggestion would be take shorter trips first and maybe bring a friend along so that you can get used to it. You know, actually, even when I was in high school, I had done some domestic travel and those were usually with friends. And I feel like that kind of helped me build up my courage and confidence with just being in these different types of scenarios. And it helped me just sort of understand like, what it's like. And I think that when the time came to travel solo, I felt a little bit more prepared because I had been on trips with my friends, with my family. And so at that point I was like, okay, 
I'm ready to do this on my own now. And so if you are totally new, I mean, you can dive right into it. It's all about your confidence level. I think that it's not as hard as people think. So if you are, if that's something important to you and you just want to go for it, do it, make that decision. Why not? You know, <laughs> like what's the worst that's really going to happen? As long as you're calm and you just kind of take a deep breath, think about your situation. Like, I really think that it's something that anyone can do. It's just a matter of making that decision, you know, doing your your planning and your research, be prepared, be smart, but I think it's totally attainable. And traveling alone, at least for me, was definitely when I found myself. So I highly recommend it to anybody. And yeah, if it's something you want to do, go for it. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Rocky, thank you so much for being here. It's been a fantastic conversation. If people want to learn more about you, where can they find you online? Yeah, you can actually find me on pretty much any social network, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, if you want to visit me on my blog, it's uh, www.therockysafari.com. That's my website. Feel free to pop by, say hi, leave a comment, send me an email, whatever works for you. But I love when people reach out. So don't hesitate to do that. If it's something that you, you know, if you want to say hi or ask questions, I am open to it. Kelly, thank you so much for having me on your pod podcast. It's been great. I always love talking with you. I'm so happy Clubhouse connected us. Yes, so thank, me too. thank you so much for coming on. And everyone, I will link all of Rocky's details in the show notes so you can find him easily. So Rocky, thanks again. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And everyone, I will catch you on the next episode. Goodbye. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Travel Possibilities podcast. If you liked what you heard, I would be so thankful for your positive review on Apple Podcasts so I can keep the episodes coming. If you aren't already following me on social media, come soak up the extra tips and travel inspiration on Instagram by following me at The Travel Shifters or by visiting my website at travelshifters.com. Thank you so much for being here and I can't wait to connect with you in the next episode. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss it.